it is a beautiful thing to do that together, um, to be unified, right, in what Jesus did for us. Unity is so important, man. Jesus prayed for that in John 17, that we be unified. And um, I want to share just a, a couple of verses with you, because part of our unity is, is doing communion together, right? Part of it is just showing up here. So I'm going to speak to the live stream people for a second, and I know we're in a time, right, where the live stream has become this big, huge thing. But there is nothing like being in person, together, the body of Christ together, worshiping together, because it says in Hebrews chapter 10, if I can find it here, I think it's coming. Okay. Let us consider how to stir up one another toward love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There is something about tangibly being together. One body, unified, coming together each week. That's why it's so important to be here. And I just want to talk to you. If you, if you I know that there are some people who are sick who can't come, and we are so glad to have the live stream for that. But there are some of you I know who are still at home, and it's comfortable and, and it's nice, you've got the TV there, you've got your, maybe your coffee or whatever, but you do something in this body, and we do something for you, you do something for us. We are too. The reason we're here is to encourage each other as we see the day approaching. And I'll tell you, do we need encouragement right now? Do we need to encourage each other in Christ? Absolutely. So we just want to invite you, come back. We want you here, all of us, right? So everybody say, yes, we want you back. Okay, okay, enough of that. All right, so I want to uh, kick off the series today and give you a preview of where we're going. This is really important. Today, we're going to start a series on our core value of being outreach-oriented. Uh, the series is called Open Doors. Uh, Tom's going to talk about that. I don't want to steal any thunder from what he's going to say today, but I want to kind of give you a heads up. Um, in a time in our world where there, the world is fighting, there is division, um, we are not going to just draw in here and, and just be us, okay? We are gonna move out into our world because that's what the Lord has commanded us to do, to go and to take the message to all nations. So that, that's what this series is about. What does that look like? Now, when I say that, when you hear outreach-oriented, probably what's going through your mind is, ah, that's... That's scary. That's a lot of work. How do I do that? I, I don't have time for that. My schedule, have you seen my life? It's so busy. We're going to talk about, we're going to unpack all that because it, it's so important um, to talk about. But there is a resource that we're going to use as part of this series. If you're in a small group, and we encourage you to be in one, um, it's a book. It's called The Art of Neighboring. And you can get it. We encourage you to get it. We'll be sending an email out about this. But you can get it on, this is what it looks like, uh, The Art of Neighboring. It's not this, The Art of War. It's not The Art of Star Wars. It's not The Art of uh, the Brick, which is Legos, which I want to read that. But um, it looks like this, The Art of Neighboring. So if you want to take a, screen, a picture of it right now, take a picture of it. Because in about three weeks, we're all, I'm going to ask everybody in here to read the the first two chapters of that book, and we're going to come back together because this book is great because for all the fears we have of how to reach out to our neighbors, this book helps us take baby steps and live out what it means to love 
our neighbors because it starts in the neighborhoods that God has placed us. Every one of us has been placed in a unique place. God has put us there in a neighborhood, whether it's an apartment complex, whether it's a subdivision, whether it's somewhere else. God's put us in that place for a purpose. And we're going we're gonna to unpack that purpose and how to make a difference in our neighborhood. And it is easy. We're going to start with what does it look like to learn the names of the neighbors next to me? Learn their names, okay? So we'll unpack that in a couple of weeks. Uh, yesterday, I was at a block party in my neighborhood. Coincidence, it just, it, it was yesterday. I got to meet, gosh, probably 15, 16 people that I had never met before in my neighborhood and, and begin to unpack and, and learn about them and just know their names even. So that's coming down the road. Um, our, our people, people in our neighborhoods, people in this world, more than ever, they need the gospel. They need to know what Christ did for them, and it starts with small steps. And we're going to walk through it together. We're going to address all the fears that we all have, me included, in, in living this out. So really excited. I'm going to pray, and then um, Tom's going to come up and kick off the series. God, last week we celebrated 25 years, and it was amazing to see your faithfulness and your goodness. And, um, but we know that the work is not done. And we start today uh, a new series, and we just ask, God, that you would, you would work by your spirit in our hearts. Um, there, there's stuff going on in our lives that are, are blockages to this, whole, to this whole topic, this whole area of what it means to, to reach out. But the very, one of the very last things you said to your followers was, go. I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out with a message. And so, God... We want to, to be open, so we just are going to ask that the Holy Spirit would begin to take down any walls that we have when it comes to this area, and we begin to, as we walk uh, in front of our houses, as we look out, we begin to see something different, an opportunity in this time. We love you. Look forward to what you're going to do. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm Tom. It's so good to see you all um, here today. Um, and I'm just going to start by saying that um, as, as Dan teed this up, uh, I've got neighbors, and one of my neighbors particularly hates my dog. Um, I'm not sure how that can be the case. Look at her, right? I mean, she's a person. She's wonderful. Um, but maybe I guess I don't, I don't blame him. Um, he's, he's clearly not a dog person. Um, I suppose she can be annoying. Uh, she drives me crazy sometimes, so I imagine him, you know, he never gets to have her curl up next to him and, and, uh, and, and, and love him like she does in our house. But on one particular day, he came, it, it, it reached a tipping point, he came over and he knocked on the door because our dog was doing more barking than, uh, than he wanted her to do. Uh, and he'd, he'd had enough. Um, and I, I received quite a lecture that day about my dog and my lack of training her and um, all kinds of things. Every time she gets sick now, I worry a little bit about what he may be passing over the fence. I don't know. Um, and, um, but, but needless to say, from that point, this has been, she was still kind of a puppy at that point. She's, she's about five years old. And um, it's, been a, it's been a little chilly between us since then. 
and there, I could I could chalk it up to you know um, COVID, and and he's kind of a, not kind of he's he's a hermit. Um, he uh, there's there's times where people will walk by and we're out front and they're like, uh, is anybody in there? Like you know, it'll, it'll go a couple weeks and no trash comes out, and you know when there's snow, like there's no tire tracks. Like it's like he kind he really keeps to himself. Um, and and so nobody, but he's there. He's there. Um, he is our neighbor, and, and the series that we're starting today is about him, okay? It's about him. It's about my neighbor, but it's also about your neighbor. It's about the people who live near you in proximity, and how do we connect with them? The, the people that God has placed just right next to us. You may live in the country. You're not off the hook, right? Like, you, you, maybe you teach and you share a classroom next to a neighbor or maybe, you know, you go into the office and you have someone in the, in the office or the cubicle next door. But like the people that physically we're going to focus on our, our physical home address, like the, uh, those that live around us. But, but we're talking about the people that come, we come in contact with all the time. And Dan alluded to this, but God, this is not an accident. It's not an accident that they are there and you are where you are. In Acts chapter 17, Paul's speaking in the city of Athens, and he says that, that the God who is real, who made everything, determines the boundaries of our habitation, where we will live. And he gives a reason for that. It's not just a coincidence that this happens, or it's not just his secret reasons that it happens. He says he has done this so that they, so that people, everyone, anyone, can, can reach out to God and find him. And, and that's fascinating and, and amazing for us, right? Like, God put us where we are so that we can find him and reach out to him. But it's also true for our neighbor. God put them next to us so that they can reach out to him and find him. They are in the ideal place to reach out to him and find them, find him. And, and he's put us next door or across the street or on the other side of the fence and it's just, it's what we're going to talk about in this series of called Open Doors, right? We're, we, we're, we're going to ask God to open doors to the people in our lives, those that are around us. And, and we do this, the, 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 we just finished a series this summer talking about the, 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 the teaching and the life of Jesus and how it pertains to us. And so I want to take a look at really the last words that, that of, of Matthew's gospel, the last words of Matthew's gospel that tee this up. And, and, and here's what it says in Matthew chapter 28. Starting in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples, this was, um, this was after the death, burial, resurrection, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. They went where he said, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Okay, This is just a summary of like, you know, a period of time where Jesus is appearing to his disciples, to his followers, and some of them like, immediately believed, and others, it took them some time. Okay? But it says this, and it says, And Jesus came to them. And said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You see, Jesus, he, said, he says certain things about himself here. He says he's in charge. We take great comfort in that, right? Nothing's happening that Jesus isn't in control of. But if he's in charge, it also means the next thing isn't a suggestion. He's in charge, and he's telling us, those who follow him, to go. Go. Go make disciples. A disciple is just, quite frankly, someone who follows Jesus. Go make more followers of him. And then he says, baptize them into belief, but into a way of life to observe all these things, to, 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 to walk a path that follows after him. 
That's what we're talking about here. How do we open doors that are currently shut to us? How do we build relationships with people that we don't currently have relationships with where we can share what Christ has done for us? That passage is sometimes called the Great Commission, okay? The Great Commission. Commission is an interesting word. It's essentially, okay, it's essentially um, like a commitment to a mission, a commitment to a mission to go and do this. It's also wrapped up in, in, in the greater context of the New Testament. But the great commandment, the great commission falls under the great commandment. The great commandment is love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. And the most loving thing I can do for my neighbor is to share what Christ has done for me. And so they asked in, in, in the first century in, in the Gospels, they asked, like, who is my neighbor? They wanted to know the extent of, of neighborliness, okay? Okay. They wanted to know, like, like does, it, does it extend out too far? And Jesus talks to the, sort of the good Samaritan and tries to answer that. So, who, so love your neighbor. Well, who is my neighbor? Well, he, Jesus says, like, your neighbor is the person that you have every reason to hate. Okay? Maybe they really dislike your dog. Maybe they don't mow their lawn. Maybe they dislike that you don't mow your lawn. I don't know. But it's, it, it extends. It clearly encompasses the people who live around us. It goes beyond them out to others. But, but we're not talking about, like, how far it extends. We're talking about, in this series, what's our responsibility to them? Not just, like, to be kind to them, but what's our responsibility to them? And this is the thing about where we're headed over the next month. The next four weeks, we're going to spend time in this. This is the thing. This issue. This issue of whether or not I'm willing to share my Savior with those around me is the difference between playing religion and following Jesus. This is it. Our willingness or unwillingness to tell those in our lives what Christ has done for us, it determines the seriousness of our commitment to do what, Matt, what Jesus said in Matthew 28, to go, like, is he my, the authority or isn't he? If he is, we go and we, we teach others to observe and to believe. I want to look at this in a passage in, in the book of Romans. I want to look at this issue in a passage in the book of Romans. It's in Romans chapter 10, and it comes right after a, a, a section on, on belief and salvation, a section that we've spent time on recently, but, but it's, it's gonna, we're going to look at a section right after that. And if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen. But Romans chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 11. Romans chapter 10 in verse 11, okay? And, and this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to this church in Rome, and, 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 he's, and, and the, the book of Romans, so I'm going to back up one second. The, bo- the book of Romans actually is, is, the best we can tell, is written in the midst of a conflict. Okay? It's written in the midst of a conflict, and I don't want to get too much into all of it. But essentially what had happened was that there was a church in Rome that had Jewish and Gentile Christians in it. And then the Jews were expelled from Rome. But then after a period of time, they were allowed back. Okay? And so you have this church that's sort of like trying to re-blend back together. Okay? And they had significant divisions about how things should be done and who should be in charge and what was essential and what wasn't essential. And so it's in that greater context that Paul is writing everything in, in the book of Romans. But, but this passage for sure falls into that. So uh, let's look at this. Okay? Let's look at this. It says this. Romans chapter 10, verse 11 says, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay? There's a lot of 
words in there, a lot of words that, that if you've been around the church, you might recognize, and if you haven't, they might be a little bit foreign to you, okay? But in the midst of this, this, this conflict between all followers of Jesus, but some Jewish and some Greek, there were questions that like, like does someone need to practice the, the, the Jewish practices in order to really follow Jesus? And, and Paul's writing and saying all that stuff is inconsequential. It's all inconsequential. Here's what matters, okay? Everyone who, who believes, who puts their trust in him, in Jesus, will, will not be put to shame. You see, there was this culture of, of shame, this culture of, of if I'm not living right, then, then I am put to shame, okay? But he cites an Old Testament passage and says, if you believe in him, you won't be put to shame. There's no difference. You, you don't need anything coming into this, but it's that last phrase, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And saved is a loaded term, right? We might, we might hear it culturally, we, we hear it within the church, and we may use it, but we need to make sure that we understand what it means. You see, saved from what? Our world has a problem. It, it has lots of problems, right? Like, look around. Our world has lots of problems. But the Bible, the scriptures tell us that all of those problems go back to one root cause. Right? Whatever the problem is that you're looking at in our world, the Bible teaches us that, that that problem essentially comes down to this issue, and it's this issue of sin. This issue of sin, and, and, and Paul has set this up already in the book of Romans. He said that everyone has sinned, and he said that, that, that the wages of sin, that if we sin, we deserve nothing but death, okay? because sin is essentially our will and acting in a way that is contrary to God and his righteousness and holiness. We all do it. It's universal. And it's the cause of all the brokenness. But Paul is, has also said, look, here's the deal. There is, there is something that, that has been done about sin. We don't have to live with the shame of our sin because of what Christ has done. We, can, we, we don't have to be put to shame. We don't have to live with the consequences of our sin. They don't go on forever. But we need to be saved from it. The power of sin that leads to death, but also the power of sin that is the brokenness of our lives and the world and its systems around us and all of the, the things. He says, look, for those who call on the Lord, for those who, who call out, who, who, who ask for, for the Lord to save them, they'll be saved. That happens and I want to do something with us today because we're, as we walk through this passage, we're going to put something together, okay? We're going to put something together, but it's going to require your participation, okay? It's going to require your participation, and um, it's going to require all of our participation, those of us who speak English and those of us who speak Espanol, okay? Um, and so I'm going to ask you to say this with me, okay? And forgive me. I'll do my best, okay? All right. But we're going to put together a, a statement, okay? We're going to say it together. And, and it's going to reflect what we're talking, what, what Paul's talking about here, but what we're talking about in this series. And here's the statement. The first line of the statement is that we believe, I'm going to, I want you, I'm going to actually, I'm going to pause. I want you to say this with me. Will you read that with me? We, that's we, we believe the answers for all of life and eternity are found in a restored personal relationship with God through faith in Christ. In Espanol, Creemos que las repuestas para toda la vida y la eternidad se encuentran 
en una relación personal restaurada con Dios a través de la fe en Cristo. ¿Está bien? Okay. All right. Months of practice. Straight C minuses in Spanish. Class. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. And this is what we're saying. Okay? This is what Paul is saying. Big argument. And we are agreeing with him, inspired by the Spirit, in, in, in the Scriptures. We're agreeing with what it says. Ready? We have a problem. But, that problem is sin. But, God has solved the problem. He solved the problem. The answers for all of life and eternity are found in a restored personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that. It's the reason we exist. It's why we're here, to make that known. You see, this is how the problem of sin is fixed. We trust Jesus in his way. And this is the thing that our neighbors need more than anything else. It's good to, to, to you know, loan them a tool, okay? It's good to, to share the eggs and the, the, the sugar, the flour, whatever. It's good to have a conversation across the fence. But what my neighbor needs more than anything else is a restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And it's what your neighbor needs as well. It's what we need more than anything It's all the answers. And really, in the end, it's the only full answer that works. So people need to know Jesus, but there's more to this, right? So keep reading with me in Romans 10, verse 14. Because it says this. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Like, how are people going to call out for salvation if they don't believe, if they don't have an internal belief in him? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? This is a rhetorical question, right? You can't believe in something you've never heard about. You can't accept Jesus if you haven't been told about him. How are people going to know about this? This is good and logical, if not a somewhat obvious answer, right? Someone has to tell them. Someone has to tell them. This isn't a great mystery. It's simple common sense, okay? If, if our sin brings about death and shame and pain, But God has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, for us to experience life and salvation. People need to know that. And how are they going to know it if no one tells them? It's simple, right? So let's add to our statement from the top. Ready? In English. We believe the answers for all. Come on. We believe the answers for all of life and eternity are found in a restored personal relationship with God through faith in Christ. And we are committed to spreading his love and message to those who don't yet know it. En español, creemos que las respuestas para todo la vida y la eternidad se encuentran en una relación personal restaurada con Dios a través de la fe en Cristo. Nos comprometemos, that was a lot of pride, sorry, a difundir su amor y su mensaje a quienes aún no lo conocen. You with me? Ready? It's, it's straightforward. There's an answer to our problems. There's an answer. And we as a body, we are committed to spreading the love of, of, of this message of salvation to those who don't yet know it. Like, we exist 
to bring people into to relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. If we're doing something else, if our energy is directed at something else, we're just messing about with religion. We're not on mission with Jesus. All right. Paul goes on. He goes on because he says this. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Right? And verse 15. And how are they, how is someone to preach or speak or proclaim? Don't get lost in preach. I'll explain it in just a minute. Unless they are sent. And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The word preach here, honestly, is just proclaim. Okay? It's just make a, make a proclamation of this good news. It's not, it's not about the, like, the, 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 the role of preacher in some sort of liturgical sense. Okay? Now, my wife and I have an argument about feet. I feel like I have a pretty nice pair. <laughs> she disagrees. I think she's wrong. We're not going to offer any evidence as to who's right or wrong here. But, but the phrase beautiful feet is a strange phrase, right? Okay, anyone who's seen The Hobbit knows feet can be especially gross at times, right? But, you, but, but Paul uses this phrase of beautiful feet, Okay, those who use their feet to carry the message of Jesus to people who don't know him, those are beautiful feet. You catch this? Those who use their feet, I'm going to say it again, to carry the message of Jesus to those who don't, don't currently know Jesus have beautiful feet. They have beautiful feet. Not, it's weird, not mouth, it's, it's, mouth is needed. It's not hands, hands help. It's feet. There's an emphasis here at this idea of like, Go. Take a step. What do we do with our feet? We take steps. We move. Do you get this? How do we, what do we do? How do we do this? How, and how can we add this into our creed? Let's keep, keep going with this. You ready? Another line. We believe. We believe. We believe the answers for all of life and eternity are found in a restored personal relationship with God through faith in Christ. We're committed to spreading his love and message to those who don't know it yet, empowering people to express their faith confidently and naturally and cultivating purposeful relationships with unbelievers. In Espanol, creemos que las repuestas para todo la vida y la eternidad se encuentran en una relación personal restaurada con Dios a través de la fe en Cristo. Nos comprometemos a defundir su amor y su mensaje a quienes aún no lo conocen. A capacitar a las personas para que expresan su fe con confianza y naturalidad y a cultivar relaciones con propósito con los no creyentes. Uh, you're fading on me. If I slow down, I'll get lost. Okay. <laughs> but here's the deal, right? God gives special feet, beautiful feet to individuals. Feet to carry his message. Feet to take his message into places where it doesn't exist now. And they are uniquely your feet. He's given you your beautiful feet not someone else's. You have the feet you have to reach the people in your world. 
I can't put the pieces together for you. I can't draw a map and show you the path your feet necessarily have to walk. But I've got to consider the, the, the path that my feet need to walk, the places I need to go. And look, you were made, our, our culture loves the, your uniqueness. They love to sell you junk you don't need based on you being unique, that unique vacation, that unique car that only for you, except they're, they're mass-producing. It takes God to make you uniquely you with your beautiful feet to take his good news to those around you. Okay, and a little more in Romans. And here's the deal. So these beautiful feet go and proclaim. And Paul says this, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. They've not all obeyed the good news. For Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Like it, it's, it, it, the point there is that there's a historical reality. People hear the message of the good news of Jesus, and they say no to it. That happens. So he adds this. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Some will believe and obey and some will not. But no one, this is the point, no one has faith unless they first hear about Jesus. And no one hears if we don't go and tell. You catch this? No one believes unless they hear. And no one hears unless someone goes and tells Let's finish this off, okay? I'll slow down. Ready? We believe the answers for all of life and eternity are found in a restored personal relationship with God through faith in Christ. We are committed to spreading his love and message to those who don't yet know it, empowering people to express their faith confidently and naturally and cultivating purposeful relationships with unbelievers and we are dedicated to expanding our outreach both personally and corporately to our friends family community and world this is our commitment in espanol creemos que las repuestas para todo la vida y la eternidad se encuentran en una relación personal Restaurada con Dios a través de la fe en Cristo. Nos comprometemos a difundir su amor y su mensaje a quienes aún no lo conocen. A capacitar a las personas para que expresen su fe con confianza y naturalidad y a cultivar relaciones con propósito con los no creyentes. Nos dedicamos a ampliar nuestro alcance, tanto personal como corporativo, a nuestros amigos, familia, comunidad y mundo. Look. It's almost like two and a half decades ago, some people moved by the Spirit said, we want to be a place that takes the message of Jesus and takes it out. 
at Life Community, we want to be a church, we desire to be a church moved by God to be outreach-oriented. I want to share, to, to kind of wrap up here, I say kind, I do have a few more minutes. Okay? I just want to close with this last thought, and it's an idea from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah sees a vision of the Lord on the throne. Right? He's, the Lord is surrounded by, by heavenly beings. They're all praising him, and Isaiah is undone by his own sin. He says, I'm not worthy to be here. And one of those beings as a seraphim, one of those beings praising God brings a, a hot coal to his mouth and touches his lips with it and says, you're now clean, right? And immediately after that, it says this, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I, Isaiah said, here I am, send me. I remember, oh, sorry, me. Telling others about the goodness of God is what naturally happens for us, what we're naturally willing and able to do and desire to do when we've met God. You see, what Isaiah encountered was the, the God who is real. Now, he encountered it in, in, in like bucket loads at once. But what's normal and natural for those who've met God for those who've experienced his goodness, is for us to say, yeah, I've got to talk about that. I remember when I found City Barbecue, and I found it. I was there first. It was on Henderson Road. I couldn't, I grew up in the South. Like, I knew barbecue. And I couldn't stop talking about City Barbecue for weeks. And... <laughs> Literally 30 pounds ago, I started, it's, it's all ice cream and barbecue, okay? Like, I started, ta I told people all about it. I couldn't stop talking about it. It was so good, okay? And I want to share, I want to share about someone else who had that same experience. My dad, that's his headstone. He's buried in the National Cemetery in Florida, Okay? My dad got saved as an adult. He met Jesus as an adult. He had a pretty good, like, career, job going. But, but telling people about what God had done for him became just a burning passion for him. And Isaiah 6-8 became his, the verse that just animated his life and decisions he moved around to places to just meet people, to, to share what God had done for him and God's goodness. So much so that, that when he was, his body was put to rest, his, his spirit is alive today with his Savior. But when he was put to rest, that verse, that phrase was put on his, we put that on his headstone. Here am I, send me. You see, we believe this. And I'm gonna, I want to challenge you. Now I am wrapping up. I want to challenge you. Begin to learn this. 
okay? It's, we didn't print it out. It's on our website, lifecommunity.com. You can find it through mylcc.info. You can get to it. We are outreach-oriented. We, like, we are going to be committed to that, devoted to it. We're going to be talking about it. We're going we're gonna to assess our lives in ways to say, are we living it? But it is we. It's us together. We're outreach-oriented. It's who we are as a church. So I ask you to begin to, to really think through this. And not see it as something that describes the place where you go to worship on Sunday, but begin to read yourself into the we. It's us. We're committed to it because we believe that the answers for all of life and eternity are found in a restored personal relationship with God through faith in Christ. What could be more urgent? I've got to find a way to open the door next door with my hermit neighbor who hates my dog. I have to. My indifference is like saying, I don't care that your future separates you from God. I'm just indifferent to it. And why? Because he doesn't like the dog? I don't know, because it might be awkward? Come on. I've got to be more committed than that. So who is it for you? Who's, who's your neighbor? That's the first challenge is get to know that statement. We're going to, the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at it. But the second challenge is to start praying and mean it, okay? Asking that God would open doors with your neighbor, okay? I'm going to call the band up for one more song. Let me pray. God, we, uh, we, we, we gather together and we do this because we absolutely do believe that you have the answers for all of life and eternity. And it's, um, it's because you do that I, we just, I think I'm compelled to say I, I, need, to, I need to make you known. I, I've got to share God, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for making it possible for us to, to be restored to you. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your life and your death and the power that your resurrection gives us. And Spirit, we ask for your strength to, uh, to come alongside us and to empower us to, to, be, to be bolder than we are on our own, to give us words where we don't have them show us ways that, that we can connect, that we just haven't considered. Because we know that you, Spirit, you amplify the Father and the Son through us. And so we just ask for that now. And we pray all of that in Christ's name.